0: Out of the box. Out of the box.
1: Meet people through their music.
0: With Ash Bertabez on FBI.
2: Big ups to Sir Nicholas Watts, who has been taking care of you for the past three hours and conducting some wicked interviews in the process. If you want to listen back to that show and catch up on anything that happened, you can always go check it out on On Demand on FBIRadio.com. And if you heard a song you like, you can find what it's called and uh, have it for your very own if you go to FBIRadio.com forward slash programs. And uh, today, my guest on Out of the Box is a comedian, a writer an actor, a producer, an MC, an improviser, and a hassle to introduce as a result, Susie Yusuf. Susie grew up in Parramatta and her first big creative theatrical work was performed in Parramatta at the Riverside Theatres when she was 15. 15. Like, she was 15, so what were you doing at 15? Exactly. Uh, since, Susie Yusuf has performed to sold-out audiences in Sydney and Melbourne, comedy festivals, and also she's been on your TV a bunch of times and done some acting for web series. And recently, Susie and the team behind The Boat People won the Smack Award for Best on Stage. Congrats
1: and welcome. Hey, thank you so much. I sound way better than I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll print off a copy of this intro for you. You can put it on your wall. Yeah, I might read that out every morning and be like, you, you've done all right, kid.
2: Keep Keep going. <laughs> no it's it's a good sp- a pastiche of, a pastiche of talents Got
1: Thank a good you selection very much. in there so how do you find putting together the playlist for the show today uh i found it quite um an anxiety inducing situation oh no i love i absolutely love fbi and i'm so happy to be on here and and picking songs um but there's just that moment when someone goes oh you can you can pick songs um and then you go oh wow my my music taste might be terrible and now the world is going to know (laughs) so that's that's where my anxiety comes from having said that it was a really good opportunity to go through what i've been listening to recently and, and put together like a little a little uh, fun playlist. I've gone really up with this one. There's a lot of energy in this playlist. Okay, as opposed yeah. to as opposed to my usual. Um, I'm a li- I, I like sad music. I love sad music.
2: Yeah, downers back to back. Yeah, downers back to back. <laughs> Worst DJ in the world, Susie Youssef.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right. Uh, well, do we have a do we have a downer or an upper to start with? No, we're going to start with an upper. We're going to start with Meg Mac, mm-hmm. um, who I. Um, I just picked Meg because I've been. I picked Meg because I speak. I'm on a first name basis with her. No, I picked <laughs> Meg Mac because I am just loving her voice at the moment. I think that she has such a massive voice, and been listening to Grandma's Hands and kind of like jamming out with that raspy feel. And then, um, but I picked today. Roll up your sleeves because I think, uh, yeah, it's time to roll up our sleeves and get going with this damn playlist.
3: back at me it's easier to leave it, uh. it's easier to
4: fake it oh so I go and I turn the free. there's people that
2: Listening to FBI Radio. Out of the box is the programme that's on the air at the moment with me, Ash Bez, and my guest today, Suzy Yusuf, who bought on that song and was terrified you'd judge her for it. So like let us know on 0409-945945 945 945 if you're, you know, giving a thumbs up
1: to Susie's music tastes. Validate me. Please validate me. No, she's great. I have no, I have no hesitation in, in, in telling the world that I love Meg Mac. I think she's amazing.
2: Yeah, equal parts fury that someone sounds that good and I don't and yep. appreciation for the fact that she sounds that yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, if you, if you didn't hear the intro, Susie's one of those people who did that seemingly dorky extracurricular activity of theatre sports, which turns out to be where all of the cool kids of the
1: future are actually hanging out. So, first, what actually turned you on to doing improv? I went to a show with a friend um, during school, like when I was at school, uh, one of my mates um, took me to a show at the Enmore Theatre and it was the Theatre Sports Grand Final. It's called the Cranston Cup. It's like um, the Olympics of nerds and (laughs) it was the most exciting and confusing thing I had ever seen. Like I didn't understand how they were just making it up. and I was fascinated and like, it was crazy. The start, there were people on stage like Julia Zemiro and Anthony LaPaglia and it was like a huge cast. And I was just watching yeah. these people going, this is amazing. And my friend said, um, you should do a course. They're, t- they're doing courses. You should do a course and learn how to do it. And I was like, no one can learn how to do that. And she was like, yes, they can. So I um, yeah, I enrolled in doing a course after I left school. I actually went to uni and started studying teaching and then I took some time off and did some improv and then woke up 10 years later and I haven't stopped doing improv so it's just um yeah I had a really long sleep no it was amazing it was it's I, I really love it and I, I'm I've always been a writer I've always loved I wrote lots of angsty sad poetry as a as a kid and then oh, uh, amen to that yep just love it I think and you've got to get it out of your system definitely it's a rite of passage um but then moved into into comedy stuff but I I feel like if it hadn't have been for theatre sports and improv I probably wouldn't be performing today because it's just the it's given me a lot of confidence and um and it's just so much fun. I've met some of the best people in the world through doing improv. So
2: re- re-confidence. Do you think that you weren't a very confident young lady before doing improv? Um,
1: I think you go through waves of it. I think it when you find something that sits well with who you are, it brings out a side of you that's not necessarily cocky or confident, but just like, it's just, it's, this, this is going to sound terrible. I was going to say, just it's just true to yourself. Like it just it just sits with your character. And I think that's what, um, what performing an improv was for me. It was just like, oh yeah, this works. I'm an attention-seeking child and now I have an audience. Like I think that's what happened.
2: Does that mean that you don't get nervous before you perform?
1: Oh, no. I get nervous every time. I shake furiously. So I did a show last year called Sketch Chocolate, it was my first solo show. And the reason why I opened the show with a with a little hilarious comedy dance was because I couldn't stop my knees from shaking. So it became like a thing. I had to. Like it's it's the kneecap that just goes wild, right? Just goes I know the one wild. you're talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. And my hands shake and usually my voice quivers and then about two minutes into into a performance, all the adrenaline kicks in and I'm fine. But before that, uh, I look terrified. How have
2: you learnt to manage that though? Because I mean, wouldn't wouldn't it turn you off doing your craft? You would think so. Or maybe I love
1: inflicting. <laughs> pain upon myself now I think what you do have to learn I've been really lucky with some great teachers in my life as well but that you have to go back to practical things like I've got breathing techniques um I listen to certain songs before I go on stage I um yeah I, I've got I've got a kind of a, a pre-show ritual down um unless there's a whiskey involved and then I'll just do that instead. But uh, usually, usually <laughs> I'm valid. quite disciplined and I and I do breathing techniques and I listen to music before I go on stage.
2: Part of me is tempted to see, you know, get you to teach a breathing technique over oh, the radio. I, c- I could, could teach be you weird. it. Okay, I could totally
1: teach. Well, it's a right very – I'll give you just the, the quick version of it. It's just called four seven eight breathing. It's where you breathe in through your nose for four seconds, you hold your breath for seven seconds, and then you breathe out of your mouth for eight seconds. It actually helps – kids fall asleep so it's like a, it calms you down but if you have an anxiety problem or perhaps you're a performer who shakes furiously before a show it's really great and i do that i do that 4 times before i go on stage so 478 478 breathing look it up it's a legit thing writing that down yeah. <laughs> okay and then the soundtrack <laughs> is the second most important thing for me so i've got a playlist that i have before i go on stage
2: actually we can take a track that might be the kind of thing one would listen to
1: to psych themselves up for a show it's a, it's a track that I listen to before I go on <laughs> Alright, please introduce it to us So this is M.I.A. and it's Bad Girls Because it makes me feel like It just makes me feel pretty confident I, f- I feel like a sassy mofo If I go on stage and I've listened to this beforehand I love it <laughs>
5: fast, die young. Bad girls do it well. Live fast, die young. Bad girls do it well. Live fast, die young. Bad girls do it well. Live fast, die young. Bad girls do it well. well my chain hits my chest when I'm banging on the dash. When well, my chain hits my chest when I'm banging on the radio. Get back, get down, pull me closer if you think you can hang. i screaming if I blow you with a bang. When I'm banging on the dashboard, my chain hits my chest When I'm banging on the radio yeah, Back it, back it, yeah Pull up to the bumper game with the signal Cover me cause I'm changing I a handle on it My life, I-, I broke it When I get to where I'm going Gonna have to Dash for my chain hits my chest when I'm banging on the radio. Chain hits my chest when I'm banging on the dash. for my chain hits my chest when I'm banging. Get back, get down. Pull me closer if you think you can handle. Hands up, hands high. Don't go screaming if I blow you with a bang. Going you know on to be a child. Kill. Shift, get automatic, damned if I do. Who is gonna stop me when I'm coming through? What we got left is just me and you. But if I go to bed, baby, can I take you? Get back, get down. Pull me closer if you think you
2: So good! How can you not love that song? It's exactly what you need before you're going to do something audacious. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) My guest and out of the box today is Susie Yusuf, bringing on some M.I.A. "Bad Girls," which is a psychop track. It's a psychop, psych up track. Yeah, yeah. So you, you you were just saying off the air you soundtrack your life. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? I,
1: I I mean yeah, I just have songs for different reasons. Like I I hear a song and I'll be like, oh that'll be a good song to wake up to, and so it'll become an alarm. Or um that'll be a great song to walk to, so that becomes like a an exercise track. I used to have my sisters and I used to make um definitive highway mixes. Like that was when we were kids. We used to record on cassettes the definitive highway mix, and it was oh, always so like good. what you would put together for because we used to go up the coast and it was about an hour's drive so you'd have to come up with like a 59 minute mix to fit on a cassette and uh, it was just like it it completely consumes your whole mind like you hear a song and you go oh yeah that's definitely part of the definitive highway mix
2: do you still have those cassettes oh yeah
1: oh wicked yeah absolutely
2: that would be just the best best bonding sesh
1: yeah sisters all back together it was very competitive though it sounds a lot nicer than it was
2: (laughs) well i mean you've got five sisters is that right yeah what a wild time! So competitive yeah. is is the main operative word for that it family. It uh, when
1: we were when we were growing up. It definitely was. It's not like that anymore. No. Yeah. No, I've won. I I <laughs> won. <Yeah. laughs>
2: you won. I won, sister. No idea. Gosh, they would Everyone's kill me. Happy that. to happy to take a back seat now. <laughs> no way. So so you were growing up in Parramatta with a huge family, a Leban- yeah. Lebanese family. Lebanese family. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I went to school in Parramatta. I grew up in um, in the Ride area. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, with a very, very big family. A big immediate family, a big extended family. Um, yeah. And so you're first generation Australian. I am. Family. Both of my parents were born in Lebanon and they both came out uh, in the mid-50s, my dad by plane and my mum by boat. Okay. Um, were they together before they came? No, no, no. They were babies. They were little. Oh, um But they... Yeah. So I think it's kind of... Like, I'm not very good at being lebanese i don't know enough about it i've never been to lebanon you know apart from the fact that i look very lebanese um i don't and, and even then apparently i don't even look very lebanese the, the number of times that people go oh wow that indian comedian's really great and i'm like the indian culture is fantastic but i i am not one of i'm not one of them like i'm just i don't want them to be blamed either if if anything goes wrong with my comedy just blame the lebanese it's what's it's their fault well
2: the perks of that is that you can potentially crash an indian wedding True, which, which I is, would, love oh, to. That would that be amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, well, you know, growing up in Parramatta, you actually, when you were going to school, you wrote an amazing uh, piece, piece of theatre that won a huge competition. Can you tell us <laughs> well, a, a bit about
1: that? I wrote a piece of theatre. I don't know how amazing it was. I, I think it was. Um, it was mostly a, it was mostly a tribute to the Breakfast Club. It was, um, yeah, it was a, it was called Club Insomnia, and it was about these four insomniacs. Uh, teenage insomniacs who went to this camp and they had to go through all of these crazy like different therapies. And so I researched um, insomnia and sleeping and and methods of falling falling asleep. And I was so fascinated by it because I was a terrible sleeper as a kid as well. Um, And I found out things like Oh, I made up stuff like that there was this milk machine that, you know, dripped milk at a certain, um, like, consistency and that it had these soporific qualities. Didn't know what soporific meant before I did the research, but there <laughs> you go. Like, all – it was just a really – it was so much fun. And I, um, I had a short season at the Parramatta Riverside Theatres and got to audition these amazing actors. And, yeah, I was just a crazy kid running around, having way too much fun, touching all the mirrors and pretending like I was going to live forever. Yeah. <laughs>
2: This is, you know, pre-being able to go to all-ages gigs even. Oh, yeah. This is just just lockdown period, and you're already creating amazing things. But it's interesting that it was inspired by The Breakfast Club, because I think maybe you've come full circle with that one. The Breakfast Club has played a big part in my life. Okay, so it wasn't that long ago that you were doing a reading at Eddie Eddie Sharp from Versus on on Sunday on FBI Radio, Eddie's erotic fan fiction. So yeah, could you just give us a little bit of an idea about what you spoke about that night in your your
1: reading? this feels weird. This definitely feels weird. Um, (laughs) I've loved The Breakfast Club forever. I think Judd Nelson was like my first major crush as well. Um, And it's mostly because I had older sisters who were big like uh, John Hughes fans and, and we watched a lot of Ferris Bueller and stuff like that. But The Breakfast Club uh became the subject of my erotic fan fiction piece. Thank you so much Eddie for giving me that opportunity. Um yeah, and it just it just degraded into a massive orgy um in the piece that I read out. Not the theater didn't just like start getting down to it after I read She's the story. She's a very, very good thing. writer. <laughs> yeah. Very inspiring. Um but yeah, no, it's just it keeps popping up. I just love it so much. And that song like um Don't you forget about me like oh, I love it. All of it, everything. All of it? Everything? Yep. Well, good. It's not on the playlist,
2: though, today. It's not.
1: No, no, no. I've, I've, I've kept it off. Uh, I'm I, trying to wean I myself off the breakfast card. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so we've got a track instead to play that is not that song, but is also very good and definitely of a completely different tone, ballpark music. It's nice to be alive. Now, what about
1: this song? Oh, so this I saw Ballpark Music last year at Splendour in the Grass and I, um, I was performing there. I was doing some comedy shows and I um, had some comedy spots in the, in the forum tent there and I got to interview um, some filmmakers. It was, re- it was a brilliant festival. had so much fun and Ballpark Music were definitely a highlight of the fest, going to see them. Um, and I just love this song. It's so up. Th- there was a downside to the festival in that my tent got robbed. I'm not a very... I, I've camped a little bit. I've done a few camping music festivals, but I, uh, I've never been robbed. And it's just so violating. Know, got back right. to my tent. What did they take? Uh, all they took was a hoodie and a towel. And if you know, like, they're pretty essential.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One time I was at a festival and someone went into my tent and, t- and stole my thermos. And oh. only my thermos. Ignored the camera. It's criminal. Stole th- of all
1: things. I mean, it's literally criminal, <laughs> but it's also yeah. awful.
2: Violating. Anyway... On a happy note. On a happy Ball- note. Ballpark music. Yeah. Out of the box. FBI. Susie Yusuf. Good times. <laughs> Language warning. Out of the box. And uh, my guest today is Susie Youssef. We only just got our headphones on just in time because we were engrossed in our song choices. Yeah. Having a yarn. So... How does that that song? I uh, love that song. It's very, very crisp. Very crisp. So crisp. They've nailed it. San Francisco have nailed it. Yeah. We were just talking about the history of the clap and not as a sexually transmitted (laughs) disease, but as in, you know, engineering perfect claps over time. Because, I mean, you look back at David Bowie songs and you hear a clap and it's just, you know... Big things of meat slammed together and in that song the clap is just so pristine So crisp, so oh. crisp. and
1: what was that track it was san cisco that was run by san cisco and it's um it's it's become one of my um running songs and i say that loosely because i do not <laughs> exercise enough to justify it being part of an exercise playlist but it, it is um but yeah i just try and find those songs that have that really great rhythm so that you get into into a good beat as you um or vice versa, a good beat, so you get into a good rhythm as you're running. And this one sounds like they are running with you, like there's all that breathy, like it's it's a really sexy, poppy song and I love it. They're not running with you anymore. One of
2: their uh, members shot themselves in the foot literally. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the bassist. Oh, my gosh, I need to. <laughs> Irony. I need to do my <laughs> the sense song Run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I
1: need to do some more research.
2: Yeah, no, it was just a totally innocent accident on a on a, You know, big property out somewhere, shot himself in the foot, and couldn't go on tour with them. Get well soon. What a whole time. Yep, Perth dude, San Francisco. Oh, jeez. But you know, very, very good songs. Still a great song. Still (laughs) a great song. (laughs) So hey, you've got a, you've got a show coming up in Sydney in late, late ish mid mid-late-ish April. Mm
1: -hmm. I've Mm got um, my new uh, solo show. It's my second solo show. It's called Owl Eyes on You, Um, and it's kind of sketch and storytelling and stand up. Um, and I'm doing it at the Sydney Comedy Festival which is massive this year Um, it's just getting bigger and bigger Uh, I'm also taking it to Melbourne before that but, um, but Sydney, yeah, the 22nd, 23rd, 24th of April at the Factory Theatre at 7pm. Is Factory Theatre a good place to perform as a comedian, do you reckon? Is that a good space? Oh yeah, it's wonderful and it's such a great hub during the festival. There's so many venues, like every nook and cranny is, is converted into a venue and you just, yeah, it's wonderful. There's a really great vibe down there and it's um it's such a cool space.
2: So it's called Owl Eyes on You. Why Owl? Uh,
1: there's a couple of reasons. Um, the first is that I like the pun um, of Owl Eyes on You and that during the process of writing this show I have done a lot of owl research to distract myself from uh the impending opening night <laughs> the, impending um, the impending doom um and also when I was a kid um I mean you can see that I have quite big eyes uh, yes but then you imagine these eyes in five-year-old Susie's head and Holy they were crap.
2: I need to see photos yeah
1: there were there were some big eyes I also had a <laughs> killer fringe as well so there was lots of framing going on um and there's there was this Bully This boy at school, he used to walk past and hoot at me like an owl. And I used to, like, scrunch my eyes up and get really embarrassed and run away. I was so upset by it. Um, But then, yeah, as as time went on, I was like, what a jerk. The owl's a magnificent creature. (laughs) Owls are great. He He
2: was giving me a compliment. Yeah, and he didn't even know it, so... Shame on you, Liam. So you've done a bunch of owl research in order to procrastinate. What kind of things have you found that might be of interest to uh, owl aficionados such as myself?
1: They are <laughs> they are killers. Like they are vicious creatures. They can kill like um, prey that is like twice their size, even bigger. Um, yeah, they're insane. And they don't have my favorite owl fact is this: they don't have spherical eyes; they have tubular eyes. So they literally can only look forward. Uh-huh. so their eyes are actual tubes. That's kind of gross. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I, it's my favourite fact though. So the only way that they can see, like they don't have peripheral vision, they have to move their heads to see around. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Worth it. Worth the procrastination. Yeah.
1: Oh, probably not. I think audiences will disagree with you, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's been fun for me. Are you
1: a kind of criminal procrastinator, like a serial procrastinator? I'm getting better at doing it. Like I'm becoming a more productive procrastinator. So what I try and do now is book in gigs that scare me heaps so that the other gigs that don't scare me as much become what I work on.
2: I see but Yeah,
1: I'm tricking myself Wow I have to play games constantly you, Well, then you know the whole
2: psychology behind procrastination It's kind of like, I am not good enough to do that well enough now So I will do that later when I am a better person Exactly
1: Which that time never comes So if you just book in enough things mm. Then you'll just be you'll be productive in spite of yourself That's just
2: genius That's just
1: life advice, guys I'm, This I'm is gonna, free life yeah. advice
2: For sure
1: Definitely. Between that and the breathing techniques I think I might have just solved like all the problems of the world Yeah Probably not. Well, thanks Probably a lot.
2: Not. Well, you know, we might move on to a song at the moment, so we can practice our breathing techniques off the air, and I'm going to go book a few things that are really hard to do <laughs> in. So we've got a song called First Light, and who's this? This is
1: these. This is one of my favorite bands. Uh, they're called the Twox, Twoks. T W O K S, and they're Melbourne based. Um, last week I went down to Melbourne and I, I uh, filmed a show on Channel 31. Down they called About Tonight. Had way too much fun, and the Twoks were my house band. And this song, I had a house band. A house band. Cool. Oh, it's the coolest thing ever. Um, it, it was so, so much fun. And the talks uh, Mark and Zani are brilliant. So much energy. Um, such beautiful music. And yeah, if you ever get a chance to see them live, you won't regret it. Um, so this is their song, First Light. On
2: FBI 94.5 my guest is Susie Youssef. My name's Ash Bertabez and Susie Yusuf is a comedian who has a show coming up called Our Lies On You. So get on the Telebone. We have two tickets to give away. A double pass, or if you just want to go alone with a random person who listens to FBI, you could say <laughs> so. We'll see how that works out. 83322999. Get on the telephone. Here you go. It's the Twox with First Light.
5: <laughs> my days with the things I'm not needing. Oh, I'm hearing the words that I don't want to hear. saying, but whatever it was, it is deep, so peace.
1: Out of, out of Melbourne, a new favourite of mine apparently. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah, you should follow them on Twitter. They're brilliant. They're at um, The Twox Music and they are just a joy. Apart from being stunning musicians, they are yeah, exactly. the most energetic act you've ever seen.
2: Not just amazing songwriters, but if you are doing comedy live, they can soundtrack what you're doing because they're a house band as well. Yeah, when I when She's I get wild. rich, I'm just going to get them to follow me everywhere. <laughs> That's a yeah. great idea. So that was a track called First Light by The Twox out of Melbourne. Brought in by my guest today, Susie Yusuf, who is a comedian, a writer, an actor, a producer, an MC, an improviser, all of the above. She does very well. Yeah, oh, thanks. And as an actor, you were recently in something called well last year, you were in something called The Boat People, which actually won a Smack Award for Best On Stage. Yeah, thanks FBI. That was
1: awesome. <laughs> Hectic. Were you expecting that? No, gosh, no. Um I mean we were we were completely chuffed to be nominated for it. Um and my co star Willa Rimia and I went to the ceremony and um uh, Mary's burgers had a stand.
3: Mm, so like they were so good. Yeah, they had Mary's mushroom burgers, burgers as oh. well.
1: It was pretty great. So Will was lining up to get a burger because they were like – Cues out the back of the of, of, um, carriage works for it, and I was standing at the back with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a while. And then they announced the award. I mean, I was trying—I I, I was being very respectful to the ceremony that was happening, but I was slightly distracted. And then they announced, you know, that the boat people won, and my mate went, "You just won, Yusuf, you won." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then I heard Will go, "But my burger," <laughs> and he kind of got on stage, and I think that's the first thing he said was like, "Have I lost my place in the line now?" <laughs> like, um, so our priorities are completely skewed but um, oh it was such that whole experience is one of the best of my whole life. Um working with Benedict Hardy and Phil Spencer down at um, at the Bondi Pavilion on a play that just felt really important. It was a you know very quirky black comedy. Um and, and the topic was And the topic was just yeah, it was the timing of it all mm-hmm. felt it was really exciting to be part of and to get that kick that conversation off.
2: For people who hadn't heard much about what The Boat People is about, you can kind of assume partly from the title, but tell us a little bit about what's going on in this performance.
1: Yeah, so it's about an Iraqi couple who come out by boat to Australia and become... Um, two of the most successful business people in Australia and then um, the lead character Sarah moves into politics um, and I won't tell that's you, you yeah that's me I'm, I'm Sarah masquerading I Sarah. as an Iraqi as well as an Indian I know gosh is, there, is there any is there, <laughs> oh, yeah I'm um, ethnically ambiguous that's for sure um, but it was just yeah so it becomes a story about her her success and who has the right to tell stories and whose stories um, do we listen to and, and all that sort of stuff Um and it was just beautifully written by Benedict and um, Emily Rose Brennan was also in the cast and Luke Joseph Ryan and the four of us had uh, way too much fun as we kind of pushed something that meant a lot to us as well.
2: So from what I've read, it's also in, in this performance, you kind of are franchising
1: the refugee experience to which yeah. clients. Yeah, which definitely rubbed some people up the wrong way. Yeah. Um, a, we got a little bit of a response of people being like, that's disgusting to do that. And we were just exploring that idea Um and just opening up the conversation. There was no agenda to be pushed there. It was really just about getting people to talk more about mm. um, about big business and about asylum seekers and, and what our priorities are.
2: I guess, do you think that Australians aren't necessarily geared towards black comedy in that respect? Is that why people found it kind of affronting? Because they're not prone I think, to
1: it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's whether we're prone to it or not, but I definitely think that black comedy... Um, it just puts you. It, it keeps you on your toes. Mm. So you have to you have to kind of read the the context and also decide how you feel about something, and that can be confronting for an audience for sure.
2: So clearly, as like an urbane kind of inner city educated person with a heart, I don't have to ask you how you feel about our asylum seeker policies. But I guess as a comedian, I could ask, do you think that there's a kind of room for comedy to change attitudes? about asylum seekers, just have power to do that.
1: I think that comedy and theatre are very powerful tools. Um, I think that they initiate conversations. I don't know if I could prove to you that they provoke change, but um, but I believe that they do. And I think that it's a really important role. Um, and that's what I tell myself to to make sure <laughs> that I'm, I'm doing something that has, you know, some sort of nobility to it. But I think um, to say that it doesn't provoke change would be would not be looking closely enough at, at, at the history of theater and comedy and what it's done for for so many political causes.
2: Absolutely. So we've got time for a track by Kings of Leon. I haven't heard them on the radio in on FBI in ages, but this no, is this a really is old track. Yeah,
1: this is an older track. I forgot. I had a few new ones, but this one, um, this is another happy track for me. I love old school Kings of Leon. is uh, it, it takes me back to a time uh, when I was doing a lot of travel and specifically this song. I think I might have heard it for the first time on a road trip that I was on with some mates in island um just outside dublin we were going to a music festival and this was part of their definitive highway mix if you will um <laughs> Very and it was a uh, yeah it was such a great song and we had the windows down and we were cruising down to um the electric picnic and when we got there um i, I was gonna i was actually gonna pick a grace jones track because she was at the festival this year and if you don't know Grace Jones she's a seven foot woman or maybe she's a bit less than that but she looks like a seven foot woman With the hair it is Yeah with the hair exactly She's really striking um, she's kind of terrifying. Mm. She used to be a Bond girl and she was performing um, at, at the Electric picnic and I just remember that contrast of kind of cruising down, you know, the highway to the Kings of Leon and then seeing Grace Jones and being like, I'll never forget <laughs> <Yes>. this. <laughs> Someone who is more like a sculpture than a human
2: Oh, if you see her. She's magnificent, yeah. Okay, and we also actually have to congrats congrats to Tom Price who is an FBI supporter and has nabbed two tickets to Susie Youssef's show Owl eyes on you, which is going to be at the Factory Theatre on the twenty second, twenty third, and twenty fourth of April, and you can grab yourself some tickets. How much are they? Do you think?
3: Um,
1: do, we, do we know? Uh, no, I should probably <laughs> remember those things, but it's all on the. It should be on the Sydney Comedy Festival website. They're utterly reasonably priced. Oh, we yeah. assume you'll get more value than you pay for. Here
2: you go. The Let's bucket hope.
1: by Kings of Leon. <laughs>
2: Out of the box, FBI ninety four point five. That is group love, with a track called "Tongue Tied," brought in by my guest today, Susie Yusuf. What
1: a happy track! It's such a it's such a joyful track. I love that. Yeah, it makes everything better. Well, that's um that's part of my uh, wake up mix. <laughs> so there's um <laughs> I didn't realize this until a couple of months ago that you can actually um, change all of the alarms on your phone. Mm-hmm. Like you can customize them so that they say different things when you wake up, and that you can also like put different tracks in there like I knew you could put tracks in there but this one is like um, (laughs) this one is called uh, get out of bed it's going to be okay So which is like sounds way more depressing. But the reason why that is adorable though. But I chose it because I do listen to a lot of Elliot Smith. We were talking about this before. Love Elliot Smith so much. Um but every now and then you gotta you gotta sub out Elliot Smith and put in some group love just to kinda get through the day.
2: Well, I mean, Elliot Smith's really good at making sad pretty, but sometimes sad can just stop being pretty and just be sad for a long time. Yeah, (laughs) and you just need
1: to mix it up. You gotta mix it up.
2: Yeah, definitely. So
1: are you as as an Elliot Smith listener, would you say That you're a sad person? Oh, I don't think I'm a sad person, <laughs> but I think that there, you know everyone goes through ups and downs, and I think as a comedian, you know, uh, self doubt creeps in every now and again, and you know you you're in a job where you're telling people that you're funny or that you you at least think that something about is funny, and um, so you've got to test that all the time. Yeah, and it's different. You,
2: it's different to being a writer. Saying I'm a writer means I write. Saying I'm a comedian means I'm funny. That's not necessarily going to be true for everyone that listens to you.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you don't feel very funny and sometimes uh, you're not. And the audience tells you that. And that's completely fair. That's how that transaction works.
2: Have you been heckled before? Oh, yeah, I've
1: totally been heckled before. I mean, but sometimes it's just a lack of response. So it's like if you're expecting a joke. Um, Someone said to me the other day, like, it's a really good idea not to reach for a joke, just to get into a place where you believe that what you're doing is entertaining and then just to go with it. And like the laughter and the applause is a bonus. And I was like, that's a great attitude. um that's such a better way to approach comedy than to be like setup setup here's the hilarious um but a, a lot of people are, are brilliant at gags i just don't think i'm a very good gag writer um yeah
2: have you ever st- you know kind of thought that maybe you should not be a comedian anymore have you ever kind oh, of had yeah, moments oh yeah like on a daily failing? basis oh, totally yeah?
1: wow oh it's it's such a strange career um but yeah i mean you can it doesn't does everyone? Maybe not. Maybe it is just me. Do you, Do you think maybe I shouldn't be on radio or like I don't know. It's just no, like you're doing quite well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a funny thing. I'm not saying this very articulately, but it's just I think because of its instability, uh, you question whether it's a good idea for the future. But if you're just staying present and kind of enjoying it as it as it happens, um, yeah stick with it for as long as that feeling sticks around. It's a transferable skill.
2: I mean, if you're, if you're a good comedian, it's not that you, you know, have to be a comedian for your entire life.
1: That's a very optimistic way of looking at it. <laughs> I think it might be one of the least transferable skills in all of the careers.
2: Being a professional friend, yeah. crashing on couches. <laughs> that's a way of living. Yeah. <laughs> so um, do you kind of usually just watch comedians and you can become, you know, you can assume the audience member kind of position quite well or do you find yourself critiquing and and trying to you know
1: understand and analyze other comedians performances it is a hard headspace to get out of the critiquing one because uh once you start writing comedy um, you're interested in the mechanics of it and then you see kind of the man behind the curtain a little bit. Um, it, it is such a beautiful feeling when you go into a show and you're surprised by it and it catches you off guard and you can just be like that audience member who is uh, you know awestruck by someone else um, and there's so many comedians that still do that to me so I don't think that uh, I'm in a space yet where I'm the eternal critic. Um, there's Especially with uh, theatre and, and kind of com- sketch comedy and physical comedy and things that I don't do very much, I love watching that and then seeing it and not feeling like a critique at all, just going like, oh, this is this is just like so electric, like the mm-hmm. atmosphere is so great because you're not in that headspace, you're just enjoying it.
2: And what kind of comedians in, in Sydney, for example, Australian comedians do that for you? Oh, I can't pick people because <laughs> I'll, I'll forget someone and then it's, they'll get angry at me. It's not a favouritism thing. It's no. a It's a first thought, best thought.
1: Oh, uh, there's sort okay thought. yeah, well, i'm go- I'm at the comedy store this weekend, and the mm-hmm. lineup is pretty phenomenal this weekend. So I won't even name names, but if you want to see some great comedians, there's a really good lineup this week. And every week it's um the comedy store is one of those like it's kind of like the home ground mm-hmm. for comedians. It's like the it's one of the best HQ. rooms to play, yeah, it's h q. um it's such a great room and and the audiences are always really up for it. They're kind of terrifying sometimes, but um in a good way. <laughs> Wait. Do say more. Oh, I've been heckled at the comedy store, like pretty badly. And I like to think that I can handle it. And sometimes I get that, that good kick of adrenaline and I can handle it. And other times I'm like, oh, no. There we go. <laughs> Shrivels. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So when, can you actually remember any of the really effective heckles? Or should we not say them on the radio in case we
1: give, let's yeah. give other people Don't, ideas? Yeah. Do not be inspired by this. Okay. Um, no, but I, I can't. The, the worst heckle I've ever had was not in Sydney. It was in Melbourne at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And I was... Um, telling a story and a guy in the audience, this wasn't the heckle, a guy in the audience was like, I've traveled 17 times. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Like it really caught me off guard. It was such an unusual heckle. But then he and I got chatting and the girl that was with him, like made the like cut against the throat um, gesture and was like, shut the f up like she just mouthed it to me and it was quite a small theater and so i could see her and i just was like she just did not want me to talk to her boyfriend um wow. and he had initiated it and i kept like i backed away and, and i shut it down but they waited for me outside and i asked my sound tech i was like please tell me when they leave and then i'll leave the theater and i think that, that he actually said that he went out and spoke to them and they were like oh we had a really fun time and you know we're just having a bit of a joke she terrified me
2: wow i yeah, would really no, have i would have Made sure someone walked me to my car after that. Yeah, no, I just the car hit... I don't have.
1: Yeah, I just hid next to a pizza oven for um for a little while, and <laughs> no uh... one
2: would suspect me here. <laughs> no, not at all. All right, I've had a fantastic time talking to you today, and out of the box, Susie. You thanks oh, so thanks... much for coming in. Thank
1: you for having me. It's like I feel like I've just danced for an hour.
2: <laughs> it's actually been a mu- it's been much like that, and if you are listening and you'd like to see and look back on all the songs that um Susie's brought in today, all of the incredibly happy tracks, then you can go to fbiradio.com forward slash program, see it all there, and you can also listen back on On Demand and podcasts will be up eventually. So we've got time for one more track.
1: Where are we going to go? I think we're going to end end the show with uh, a track called One Crowded Hour this is another old school track by Augie March and it was the closing track for a show that I did called Impro 3 Shuffle with some of my favourite performers in the universe Um, it was Cale Bain Amanda Buckley and toby trust and we were a core cast we had guests come on the show and we'd get an audience members ipod and we would put it on shuffle and whatever songs came up we were inspired by that and we did scenes so it's like nerd city yet again with the improv show and so so much fun and we took it down to melbourne and did some shows there and um this was always the closing track. So when this song started, it was the only thing planned in the whole show, but we would do a slow motion replay under a beautiful yellow light and it would be like the highlights reel of the show. Aww. And so every time I hear this song, I like, I smile and nod and get very excited at the, at the thought of, of that kind of crazy month that we had doing the shows down there.
2: Delightful. It's Augie March, One Crowded Hour, band out of Melbourne, brought in by Susie Youssef, my wonderful guest today on Out of the Box.
3: Should you expect to see something that you had not seen In somebody you've known since you were 16 If love isn't bought from the blue Then what is that bought? mid a glorified screw that doesn't hold nothing together Far from these nonsense boys, and then knowing music it's making me sick. I know it's making you sick, there's nothing that's like eating it's like drinking gin with nothing else in that doesn't hold me together But for one cried it out I thought I'd find my gold in September in the middle of day.